Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh, hello. I'm Osha. Welcome to Better Make It Quick. This is the Wednesday version of the show where Bree, our uh, production and research lead, goes back through the archives and goes, you know what? This one's really interesting. Let's get a bit of this out there. And so it's just a little taster of an episode that's happened in the past, and I thoroughly recommend you go back and check the full episode out. If you've never listened to this podcast before, it's called Better Than Yesterday, something you hear on this show, and every show is here to help you make today better than yesterday. I'm here Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays, Mondays and Wednesdays with a guest. Fridays, I'm here with you. My name's Osher. I'm a, I'm a TV show host. I'm a, a mullet wearer. I'm a, um, a telethon off script, uh, <laughs> slipping the words climate resilience into a broadcast that went out on Channel 9 and Channel 7 the other night kind of guy. Pretty happy about that. And uh, if you ever need to get in touch with me, send Osher email at gmail.com. We are doing live shows, live podcast shows, osherginsberg.com is where you can find those tickets. Melbourne on the 3rd of April and Brisbane on the 22nd of April, two shows in each city, different guests each show. So I'd love to see you. Please come along. The tickets are extraordinarily reasonably priced. Look, today we're going back two years. At this point, we'd only been in lockdown for a couple of weeks. Nobody had any idea what was going on. And I started to reach out to people who might be able to at least offer some help because I was like, well, what can I do? I can maybe get some ideas out there that aren't panic. Because at the time, it was fucking panic. People were dying everywhere. People were hoarding food. People were hoarding toilet paper. People were getting in fistfights over toilet rolls. We thought we'd only be in lockdown for a couple of weeks. So I emailed Susan David, who's been on the show before. And I said, hey, uh, Susan, you're, a, uh, you're an award-winning Harvard Medical School psychologist. You've got a PhD. You wrote a great book called Emotional Agility. Can you come on the show and just kind of talk a little about how we might kind of navigate fear, navigate the uncertainty around COVID-19? And look, COVID's still a massive part of our lives. We have fresh uncertainties to deal with, <laughs> nuclear war being one of them, uh, being underwater and on fire with a government that doesn't give a shit. Uh, also being one of them. 
And I thought, you know what? Susan's advice might be good to get a bit of a refresher on because it's based on years of research. It's not just stuff that she's pulling out of thin air. So I thoroughly recommend Emotional Agility. It's an extraordinary book and it's life-changing, changed my life. I asked Susan, uh, this is two years ago now, I asked her why people were initially in denial about this thing that was affecting all of us. And it, and it could be COVID-19, it could be climate change, it could be whatever. But I asked her why so many, so many people were in denial that COVID-19 would be as far-reaching and widespread as it is. I think there are a couple of reasons. The first is that we know that people are really drawn to the idea of comfort and predictability. And we see this in our daily lives. You know, we like our routines, we want our routines. And so what starts to happen is there becomes a bias in terms of what information we pay attention to. And, you know, we pay attention to typically the information that confirms what our worldview is or what we hope to be the pathway forward. And so that's what we pay attention to. And we see this playing out individually, but also on the world stage. And the other part of this, I think, is that there is a tendency that human beings have towards rigidity. We get stuck into focus on what we're doing right now, on what our pathway is forward, on what our goals are. And to be agile is really about being able to take other sources of information into account or to really be able to see the broader context. And as human beings, that is something that we find difficult to do generally. And when there are difficult emotions, that becomes more the case. We become stuck in particular ways of being and seeing things that stop us from being able to be agile and flexible. But yeah, but then if we do that, we just end up, we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot, don't we? Because we don't allow ourselves the opportunity to look up and see what's coming. And then when that thing does show up, whatever it is, it's like getting caught out texting on the freeway and suddenly you look up and the traffic stopped and then you're going to hit the car in front of you. There's nothing you can do about it because you weren't looking. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting in psychological research, Dan Kahneman does a lot of work where he talks about type one thinking and type two thinking. And type one thinking is this kind of very quick, intuitive thinking that we all do. So we, you know, might be an accountant and we're used to seeing patterns of numbers in a particular way. And so we start seeing all of the patterns in that particular way. We become what in scientific terms we often call, you know, there's this naivety of experts where experts are so used to seeing what they're seeing in their particular world that they are unable to really take other disconfirming source of information into account. But ultimately what that leads to is what I talk about a lot in my work, which is we have two things going on. The first is this cognitive bias, this disconfirmation of information that seems conflicting or that we don't want to hear. And then the other thing that happens is we have these difficult emotions that often are raised for us when there is a situation of fear or uncertainty. And so what we do is we often devolve into denial or trying to push away difficult thoughts. Or another way that we know human beings deal with it is that when we have emotions, especially emotions that provoke a feeling of what is called mortality salience. Mortality salience is this idea that human beings, you know, what is it that we've all got in common? We've all got in common that we will all die. All of us will die. And 
it's remarkable to think about how little we as human beings talk about this one thing that binds us together, which is that we will all die. And so there's this really interesting research that plays out again in politics, but in our own lives, which is that we actually spend a lot of cognitive resources trying to push away this reality. So we don't think about death. We tend in our society not to deal with the reality of death well. We medicalize and we push elderly people away. And so as a society, we don't tend to deal with these issues really well. So what starts to happen is we push aside this universal reality and then this remarkable thing happens. There's a virus and the reality is now no longer something that can be pushed away on our doorstep. And so what starts to happen psychologically when mortality is made salient to us, when it becomes more front and center, is there's a predictable response that happens. Human beings become much more focused on there is this fear that I've been trying to push aside. It's now in front of me and we become more tribal. So we become more focused on I'm going to protect myself and my own. I'm going to push away what feels different. And so what you see in times where mortality is made salient, whether it's through a virus or whether a politician saying, oh, people are going to cross the border and come rape you, as we've seen in the US, is that we see far more stereotyping behaviors, us and them, discrimination and so on also coming forward. So really what we're starting to see is this rigidity that is drawn both cognitively but also in the way we handle our emotions. And it's very much predicted by our intolerance for discomfort. It is very clear that for so many of us, even to this day, we're driven by our intolerance for discomfort. And I think many of us are still kind of, we're in denial about that things will return to normal. You know, I think about my work, my work on emotional agility, where did my work draw from? And we've chatted about this previously, but, you know, I was a white South African growing up in apartheid South Africa. In a country and community that was committed to not seeing, to denial. I recall when I was 15 years old, my father being diagnosed with terminal cancer and him dying and me going back to school. He died on a Friday and I went back to school on the Monday because there was this idea that I should just get on with things, okay? And so people would say to me, how are you doing? And I became the master of being okay, in inverted commas. I wasn't okay. I was in denial. And that denial played itself out in an internal struggle with myself where I was feeling regret and pain, but trying to push it aside, trying to ignore it. And for me, psychologically, it played out in using food to numb my pain, you know, binging and purging, as so many young girls do. So, a lot of my work is drawn from this idea that as human beings, we so often use denial. But what does denial do? What denial does is it simply perpetuates pain. Because when you deny, often what you're doing is you're firstly engaging in coping strategies that are going to compound your pain over time. It might be over drinking or over sleeping using drugs, or even getting sucked into social media, 
what we're doing is we are in avoidance. We are compounding the issues that we have to deal with because now I'm procrastinating or I'm avoiding. So now no longer am I in a situation where I'm just avoiding the thing, but I'm actually not solving the problem. I might have my boss on my back. I might have my finances going into a you know terrible downward spiral. So we often, when we deny, we use difficult coping strategies that compound our issues. But the other thing, of course, that happens is there is a perpetuation of our psychological pain because we are in internal struggle with ourselves. And so what do we do in this situation? I think one of the most important parts of dealing with where so many of us are at right now is what I call really gentle acceptance. And what do I mean by gentle acceptance? If you walk out today and it is pouring with rain, gentle acceptance is basically noting gee, it's raining outside. Okay. That's gentle acceptance. It is what it is. A lack of gentle acceptance is when you say things like, gee, it's raining outside and I wish it weren't raining. Why is it raining? Why does it rain every time I want to leave the house? What, you know, so gentle acceptance is not the same as passive resignation. It's not the same as saying it's hopeless. It's hopeless. Gentle acceptance is simply saying it is what it is. And simply using those words, it is what it is, can immediately allow ourselves to breathe into the space of reality so that we can then start being more productive. And when I say productive, I don't just mean in a work sense. I mean productive as people. It is what it is. It's only five words, but they can really help us to kind of gently accept our surroundings and our, our circumstances day by day. It is what it is and it isn't what it isn't. Can help kind of reframe things, I find. Those words are helpful, but how how can we put them into practice? What can we do with those words? How can we navigate the emotions that come up around these challenges? Well, Susan, David is going to elaborate a bit more of that in, in just a moment, but we do have to play some ads to keep the lights on. If you'd like to hear an ad-free version of this show, you can find it at patreon.com slash osher get on board there there's an ad-free version of the show as a reward to you for supporting the show but until then here's some commercials hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mm-hmm. 
Susan David has spent over 20 years of her life researching emotional agility, which is a process that enables us to get through the ups and downs of life with self-acceptance, with an open mind. And so when we spoke, and again, we're listening to just a few little bits of a larger conversation, which I thoroughly recommend. I recommend go back and listen to both shows, actually. I still can't believe that she came to our apartment. This incredible legend of the mental health community worldwide was sitting in, on our dining table in our apartment. I asked her, how can we apply that gentle acceptance and how can we be compassionate to ourselves at the same time as being emotionally agile? We can't control our thoughts and our emotions because we often have this illusion that we can control them because, of course, again, the narrative in our society says have positive thoughts only. If you have positive thoughts, you will manifest a positive reality. And truly, that's nonsense. We have around 16,000 spoken thoughts every single day. We have thousands of transient emotions. If you're going to spend a lot of your time trying to push difficult thoughts away and trying to think positive all the time, you are again rooted in denial. So don't try to control whether you have one or another thought or one or another emotion. Your thoughts are neither good nor bad. They are neither positive nor negative. They just are. You know, they just are. What becomes so-called negative is when we get hooked by a thought or an emotion, when it starts driving us in ways that are incongruent with our values. But a thought or an emotion, it just is. You know, don't try to control what you feel or what you think. You did tell me, I think, last time you, you spoke, it was a, a cracking, I love a three-word slogan, like a good Australian politician, data, not directives. That's what you, you kind of spoke about those. I guess, you know, when you spoke about the thoughts, you're also speaking about the emotions. You know, I'm feeling fear, I'm feeling anger, I'm feeling... But if it's data, not a directive, you can go, okay. And then instantly you can separate yourself from it and go, there's fear. Okay, I can see that there's fear. It's like looking at the temperature for the day. Okay, it's 22 degrees. All right. I'm not 22 degrees. It just is 22 degrees. All right, what am I going to do about that? I might not wear a sweater today. <laughs> yes, yes, that is exactly. It's like these emotions come and go. These thoughts come and go. They are data. They are not directives. And so often what happens when we are feeling stressed and anxious, sad, is we get hooked into our thoughts and our emotions. We start treating them as fact. And so what we start doing is we start saying something like, I am sad, I am angry, I am being undermined. But when you use that kind of language, when you say I am, what it makes it sound is as if you are the emotion, you know, you are the temperature. But of course, you aren't the emotion. You are not, I am sad. You are not 100% all of you defined by sadness. You are you. And the emotion is a data source. And you've got other parts of you that you can bring to this experience. Now is the time for all of us to be able to draw on parts of ourselves that include uh, wisdom, courage. We've spoken about compassion, acceptance. Now is the time where we can draw on these other parts of ourselves. But when we become overly strongly defined by our emotion, when we get hooked into it, we stop being able to do that. And the way that I think of this in metaphoric terms is when we get stuck in an emotion, we start saying, you know, I am sad, I am angry, I am stressed. 
we are the cloud. We start becoming the cloud, becoming the temperature. But you are not the cloud. You are the sky. You know, you are the sky. You are big enough and capacious enough as a human being to have many different emotions. You don't need to be defined by any one of them. Now, of course, this takes some skills, and we can talk about what some of these skills and strategies are that help us to get this distance. But we are not the cloud. We are the sky. You are not the cloud. You are the sky. (laughs) Yeah, she's very good at what she does. I love her work. Uh, I love that book. Emotional Agility is such a great book. It's so good. If you haven't got time to digest the whole book, just find her TED Talk. There's so much more wisdom packed into that full conversation with Susan David that's helped me through the past number of years. I hope it helps you too. Just scroll back through the podcast feed. You can find her on social media. You can find her TED Talk. Read her book, Emotional Agility. On Friday, I'll be back here to check in with you. And on Monday, we've got a, a brand new, fresh, fresh, fresh guest. Do come along to the live shows. It'd be great to see you. If you like what you've heard and you want to see us to be in the same room together, I was in a, I did a gig the other night. I did Story Club the other night and I was in a room with an audience with people and I was high-fiving and seeing people and shaking hands and how you doing? It was so nice. It was so nice to see people again. I forgot that it's important for us as humans to interact in a social context. It was really good, and I'd love to do that with you. OsherGinsberg.com is where you can get tickets to the Melbourne shows and the Brisbane shows. There's rumours of a Sydney show. Rumours. Because we got wind that a guest wants to do a gig, and um, there's a very good guest. We're like, well, we'll make one happen for you. So rumours of a Sydney show. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. I'll see you on Friday. Until we speak then, thank you so much to... Bree Steele for putting this show together, Andy Ma, my audio director, Rachel Barrett, my executive producer, and Toe Hyder on the music. I'll talk to you on Friday. Until then, sleep well and dream of beautiful things. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.